The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Your Monday afternoon episode. What's up? Welcome to Fantasy Football Today in 40. Who, uh, I knew you were going to say five. Uh, no, but I didn't. I didn't, Ben. You think so little of me. I changed it. I'm guessing 40 minutes for today's show. We'll see. With, within five minutes, one way or the other. Adam Azer, Ben Schrager, Chris Towers. How's week three treating you guys? Great. It was my highest scoring week ever in my home league, so it nice. was a fantastic Sunday for me. I'm really, really looking for... In my, my longest-running league, I've won once. It was back in 2006. I was a college freshman, and I've been working as a professional fantasy analyst for 10 years. So that tells you how long ago that's been and how much I've sucked in that league. Uh, I came into week three with a 40-point overall lead. I outscored the second. I, I've been the highest scoring team in each of the first two weeks. Week three, I outscored the second highest team by at least 30, probably more. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how I managed to mess this team up. I had Alan Lazard and Keenan Allen on my bench, and I was the f- highest scoring team by 35 points. <laughs> this team is ridiculously stacked, and I know I'm going to lose in the first. Who's your quarterback? I actually it was Carson Wentz yesterday. Uh, Whoa, you're doing this well with Carson Wentz. My. This this roster, like uh, nobody cares, but I care. Like, I'm actually it is, interested. It's it's the most ridiculous. So it's a ten team league. Alvin Kamara, James Robinson, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, Travis Kelsey, Chris Godwin, uh, Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, Joshua Kelly, Lavisca Chenault, Alan Lazard, Keenan Allen, Ronald Jones, Alexander Madison on my bench. This team didn't, is just actually like, like didn't even sound like that good of a team. It seemed like a really good week three team. (laughs) It's been the highest scoring team by like 80 points through three games, guys. I don't know if you guys heard that part. All right, with a a lousy quarterback. It's time for you to trade some some players and get get yourself uh, some Russell Wilson. The Seahawks are the talk of the town, the talk of the fantasy world. They're actually not the highest scoring team in the NFL. That would be anyone? High scoring team? Mm, They're third. The uh, Packers. The Packers, yes. 122 points. Seahawks with 111. But the Seahawks have the number one quarterback in fantasy right now. Two top five wide receivers. Chris Carson is the number 10 running back. Uh, so I do want to talk about them. We'll recap the Sunday night game, which was an exciting one. Uh, 37-27 Packers. I think it was exciting. It was an interesting Definitely. game. Yeah. Uh, okay, and uh, injury updates for you. Looks like Dallas Goddard's going to miss some time. Chris Carson, maybe not. Chris Carson might be able to play this week. Uh, Chris Godwin's going to have an MRI, so we'll give you some injury updates. Nick Foles, by the way, is going to be the starting quarterback for the Bears. But basically, let's start with this. Can the Seahawks keep this up, or are you looking to make some sell-high trades here? And I know we talked about this yesterday, but I want to explore the numbers a little bit more today. It's kind of we're a more numbers-oriented show on Monday. Chris, what do you think? Um can they keep it up to the degree where at least you shouldn't be selling? I'm not saying that 
you're going to have two top five wide receivers or anything, but uh, should we just hold our Seahawks and enjoy the ride? Well, we were drafting Russell Wilson as a top five quarterback. We were drafting Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf as top 18 to 20 wide receivers. We were drafting Chris Carson as a top 15 running back and probably would have been higher if he hadn't uh, had such a weird training camp. So, yeah, I think they can mostly keep this up. It's a really talented team that has a really high concentration of their touches going to their fantasy relevant guys. And, you know, Russell Wilson is a historically efficient quarterback. Uh, DK Metcalf, you know, <laughs> he's still like the, the amazing thing about DK Metcalf is how many points he's left on the field so far this season through like literally like nobody's fault, but his own just like bad drops, getting the ball punched out when he's at the two yard line on what should have been a 62 yard touchdown. Uh, and he's still been this good. You know, it helps playing with that historically efficient quarterback and, it helps that Tyler Lockett is one of the, you know, most talented wide receivers in the NFL. And, you know, DK Metcalf is really benefiting from that. So they won't keep this up. The Packers won't keep this up. The Bills won't keep this up. But yeah, I think the the Seahawks are are going to be one of the best offenses in the NFL. And those four guys are going to be some of the best players in fantasy. But to the sell high, buy low question. Chris, are you trading Russell Wilson for Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson? Uh, yeah. If somebody offered me those two guys, one of those two guys for him, I would. But who's doing that? You know, we'll see. I mean, after tonight, I mean, tonight we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, because it'd be interesting if Mahomes is kind of conservative again tonight because he just hasn't really been throwing the ball downfield nearly as much. Second lowest average depth of target in the NFL so yeah. far. It's like six yards. Yeah, and he completed that big one to Tyreek Hill late in that game. But uh, in the first game, they were just giving him the underneath stuff, and he took it. But I get, you know, would you would you trade Russell Wilson for Kenyon Drake? That might be something that you could do. And I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what this hypothetical your roster construction is. But yeah. if you had, let's say, Matthew Stafford, who could be fine, but is probably not going to win you a league, would you trade Russell Wilson to get a starting running back? I would. If you have a hole at running back, I would take the Kenyon Drake. I would take Mixon. I would take Chubb. I wouldn't take Kareem Hunt, though. Probably. I mean, we we do this like there, this happens every year. There's always someone who gets off to a really good start, and it's never a knock on that guy to say he won't be able to keep it up. But like Russell Wilson, he has a 14 percent touchdown rate. Do you so know? Far. You know, he's on pace. He has one of the highest of all time. He's on pace for 75, 75 touchdown ca- passes. But I wanted to compare him to Mahomes from two years ago because Russell Wilson right now has a one hundred and thirty. Seven seven point four passer rating, uh, which is you know crazy. Patrick Mahomes two years ago when he had his incredible year, his passer rating was one hundred and thirteen point eight. But in his first three games, because Wilson just broke Mahomes' record for most touchdown passes mm-hmm. in your first three games, in his first three games, his passer rating, Mahomes, it was uh, one. Oh no, that was one thirty seven point four. What is, so? What's Wilson's right now? It's like right around there. Um. Sorry, I don't have that, but it's basically very similar. Their starts are very similar. And pass attempts, you know, you're, you're, I don't think you're going to see the, the high volume for Russell Wilson because it looks like they look like the Chiefs. They don't run a lot of plays, but their yards per play is going to be among the leaders in the NFL. So if you're sitting there going, well, Wilson's not really throwing the ball as, you know, as much as he needs to. Well, I don't know if that's true. 
because he, they are going to be so incredibly efficient and they're going to score on big plays, things like that. I so think there's, the there's a lot of comparisons, I think, though, between Mahomes two years ago and, and Wilson this year. One of the key differences, and I can look this up, but entering week two, I know the Seahawks were the slowest paced team in the NFL in terms of uh, average time to snap in, in in a neutral situation. Like not when they were leading, like you're just in a regular football situation, they were taking the longest time between snaps. And that, like as efficient as you can be, as this offense can be, they're not going to be this efficient moving forward. And so yeah, it is going to be difficult for him to, I mean, he's not going to, he, I don't want to say he's not going to break a touchdown record, but you know, Patrick Mahomes, I think his touchdown rate in 2018 was like 9% or something close to that. And Russell Wilson's career high is 8.3. He has the, I believe the highest in NFL history or one of the highest at 6.2%. He's at 13.6% right now. How differently would we, we be talking about Russell Wilson if he had the same exact numbers, but had eight touchdowns, that would still be a really high touchdown rate. It just wouldn't be historically high and I think that's probably what is more likely to happen moving forward is that he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in football on a low volume relatively low volume passing offense and it's probably going to mean that he's like the third or fourth best like I would probably I think I would still rather have Dak Prescott than him like Russell Wilson has to be about 50 percent better on a per attempt basis than Dak Prescott. And he has been so far, but I just like the difference in dropbacks between the two of them is so big that I, yeah. I just think I would still rather have Dak and that none of that is a knock on Russell Wilson. He's awesome. He was, he's always awesome. Yeah, I know. I think, I think you could, you could take Kyler Murray over him. It's just, it's amazing that um, the similarities between Mahomes two years ago and Wilson this year through three games, uh, the passer rating for Wilson is 139 at right now. It was 137.4 for Mahomes and he got worse as the year went on, but he got worse in a way that was still incredibly dominant. And he just had that special season. And maybe he was on pace after three games for 69 touchdown passes right now. Wilson's on pace for 75. Maybe Wilson is just having Maybe he's the guy who just has that year. It was Mahomes in, in 2018. It was Jackson in 2019. Maybe it's Russell Wilson this year. All right, uh, our Facebook group. You can talk about it in there. Fantasy Football Today is the name of the group. Not too hard to remember. Just search for it on Facebook, or you can click the link in our episode description. Join the Facebook group. Get involved, ladies and gentlemen. Later on in the show, we're going to answer some questions on five big topics, including who is the number one overall pick if you were picking today? I think I know what you guys are going to say, and I might an, say something different. It's an easy call. I don't think it's an easy call. It's an easy call. It's not, I don't think it's an easy call. All right. Well, I agree. It's tough. I mean, it's tough. Okay, teaser. It's, it's a teaser. Sunday Night Football. Green Bay, 37. New Orleans, 17. Aaron Rodgers scored 30 fantasy points. That's 38, 22, and 30 fantasy points for Aaron Rodgers. Drew Brees scored 29 fantasy points. That's 18... 16 and 29 fantasy points in three games for Drew Brees. Um, Brees got a little lucky. I mean, Kamara basically did everything for him. Yeah. But let's talk about That's Aaron Rodgers. Really luck. I That's mean, kind it's kind of the norm at this point. Not, not to the degree of what we saw yesterday. His touchdown catch where he made six guys miss <laughs> was one of the greatest plays you're going to see this year. Uh, but yeah, but you know, it's. This is who he was before the injuries last year. Not for this like is this is better. Not not this, but like it's like Russell Wilson. Like this is who Russell Wilson is. It's just we're seeing the high end of the outcome. But like 
Alvin Kamara has been consistently one of the best players in the NFL at breaking big yeah, plays, he's making great. guys miss. Mm-hmm. And so, but last yeah, night was a, last night was crazy. He had a ridiculously good game, but like Alvin Kamara, that dude's pretty good. He's gonna have ridiculous games every now and then, especially yeah, with no Michael Thomas on the field because Breeze does not throw the ball downfield. Michael Thomas is who he's looking for seven yards down when he's checking down. Well, guess what? There's no Thomas there, and he couldn't rely on the other receivers. They were dropping balls left and right. So, yes, Alvin Kamara, I'm not going to say my answer for later, but right now, he's amazing. Drew Brees' average <laughs> uh, depth of uh, average air yards on his pass attempts right now. Uh, so, Patrick yeah. Mahomes has the second lowest at six yards. Uh, Sam, Ar- uh, Sam Darnold's at 6.1. Jared Goff, 6.1. Drew Brees is at 4.6. His average pass is traveling 4.6 yards in the air. That is yeah. completely, it's impossible to like, that's another one that's just not going to keep up moving forward, but it just shows you one, just how little, how unwilling he is to, to pull the trigger. Uh, have you watched D-passes? though? Have you watched the last two games, right? He's been on prime time. There have been, including on one of these Camara touchdowns, by the way, there have been at least two plays in each game where he's gone play action. He has set up, he has looked deep. He wanted mm-hmm. to throw deep. I don't have the all 22, okay? So I don't know what's going on. Is he missing someone or more likely nobody's open? And then he checks down. So they want to get the ball downfield, but they don't have Michael Thomas, who's not exactly like a downfield guy, but it just opens more things up. It opens things up more so in your offense. Like Drew Brees is taking what the defense is giving him, and he did fine. But I'd rather talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I just want to to get an Aaron Rodgers because right now he's like, boy, those throws he made to Alan Lazard were just incredible. So is Aaron Rodgers, in your opinion, a must-start guy rest of season? I mean, we're definitely this week against Atlanta. But rest of season, is Aaron Rodgers a must-start guy? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, the. I was definitely one of the Aaron Rodgers is not as good as he used to be guys uh, over the last couple of seasons because he wasn't. He didn't have faith in any receivers besides Devontae Adams. And he was kind of playing sloppy. Like his mechanics were bad. There were way too many times in the last couple of seasons where he would just like airmail a throw or throw it short because he didn't step into a throw and he was relying on his arm to arm strength to get the job done. And so far this season, we've seen a different version of Aaron Rodgers. And what's interesting is the way that they've constituted their offense. It's all either quick throws. Uh, He has the second lowest rate of passes at least five yards down the field. Uh, so he has, I think, entering week three, he had the quickest uh, average time of release after the after the drop back. But he also has one of the highest rates of passes 20 plus yards down the field. And so they're doing the high efficiency throws in the short game. And he has confidence in Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez, Santling, both of whom were in, I think, the top 10 in air yards in week three. Um, and obviously, he has a lot of faith in Devontae Adams, too. Ben, what do you think? Anything else on the Packers you want to talk about? Or the Saints, for that matter? Jared Cook got hurt. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders was better than Traquan Smith, barely. He had 12 more yards, but he caught the touchdown. Smith actually had one more target. Um, oddly enough, Kamara had Tanya basically any good. carries. Yeah, I mean, looked good, two and games in a row. At the end of the game, down. it was Jace Sternberger getting his first ever regular season catches. So it was almost like, yeah, Tanya might be a waiver wire guy, and then... Mercedes Lewis catches the touchdown. Jace Sternberger <laughs> should not is in have there been at the a end. Touchdown. Oh, the that Mercedes Lewis touchdown should not have been a touchdown. There were two late, like game-winning touchdowns yesterday that just absolutely should not have counted. 
Yeah, that one at least, you know, didn't 100% affect the outcome of the game. Yeah. Like the Bills one, but... Yeah, that was trash. I, I don't think anyone's rushing to pick up a tight end for the uh, for the Packers, especially if Devontae Adams is back next week. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think... There's um, no Saints wide receivers either that I like because no. Sanders looked terrible, and then he looked fine yesterday. Traquan looked good, and then he looked fine yesterday. Yeah. No, I think... Uh, Alan Lazard, I'm really disappointed that I didn't start him in more places because I have him on most of my teams. Um, MVS, they they shaded the coverage toward MVS. I think Marshawn Lattimore was on uh, Valdez Scantling more often, which makes sense because he lines up on the outside more often. Um, but Lazard is really good. Rodgers obviously has confidence in him. He obviously had confidence in him last year when he was, you know, kind of publicly pushing for him to play. And, uh, these are really, really big wide receivers who can uh, go up and make tough grabs. Uh, Mark MVS has had some drop trouble, but I I really like uh, what the Packers are doing on offense and the fact that you know Aaron Rodgers clearly trusts these guys. That's the biggest thing. I think you can see the difference between year one and year two of Matt Lafleur's offense. They are doing whatever they want. They're yeah. running the ball well. Aaron Jones has had 16 to 18 carries in all three games, which is a great sign. They're throwing. I mean, they're just super confident. And sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't, where the quarterback takes a big leap in the second year of a system. It seems to be happening in this case. Yeah. News and notes. Dallas Goddard likely to miss some time with the ankle injury. Deshaun Jackson is believed to have a minor strain. Chris Carson could play this week. Do we have an update on Jarek McKinnon? Nope. I didn't even see how late did he leave that game? I, I was watching. I, I think didn't third really quarter, see. I think. Okay. Um, yeah, because he played 48 snaps. So he he had a huge role yesterday. I, I didn't even realize that he that he left because of that. So Jeff Wilson had almost no role before the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, he had six carries and two catches on San Francisco's final drive. He ended the game, Jeff Wilson, with 12 carries and three catches. And he caught, he had scored both of his touchdowns in the fourth quarter. So it looked like it really was Jarek McKinnon's backfield. He might get another chance this week. I think they play the Eagles. Um, but I didn't see... Yeah, they do. But I didn't see uh, an update on him. So we'll, hopefully we'll have one tomorrow. Chris Godwin is having an MRI on his hamstring. And that's annoying. That's two concussions. It's two injuries... Uh, he might miss another game, and yeah, again, we'll update you on all the injuries on Tuesday. Nick Foles is going to start this week. Jared Cook left with an ankle injury, and there were a bunch of defensive injuries. I'm not really going to get into them, um, except to say this. I forgot to say this about the Seahawks. Their defense stinks, and every week they're getting more and more injured. Two weeks ago, they lost Bruce Servant for the year. Uh, on Sunday, Jamal Adams got hurt. Don't know the severity there. And a starting linebacker, I think he was a fill-in, but it's now a starting linebacker. He got hurt as well. So that's another thing going for Russell Wilson. The defense is probably, I'm thinking, the worst. Right now, it looks like the worst it's been in the Pete Carroll era, or at least, I don't know, last six, seven years, whatever. It's called Russell Wilson era. Uh, so that, you know, that's just different. And 400 yards passing per game, I believe they're giving up. <sighs> they Wide receivers. I mean, we got a question about starting Eagles. It's one of our big topics. Oh, I'm sorry. That's uh, Miami next week. No, they, are, they already played Seattle, my bad. Um, I know they didn't play Seattle. They play them later in the year. Okay. Anyway, Miami next week, starting wide receivers against the Seahawks. It's just like game after game, yeah. hundred yard must. after hundred yard. It's wild. Yeah. Devonte Parker's a must start in that game. Mike Gusecki's a must start, and Preston Williams. You know, sleeper. The fact that 
you know, hopefully he can, you know, start to play better after week three. All right, five big topics. Here we go from Sean Brendan Lemons. What is going to be more important this year? Top tier talent or top tier talent as starters or depth throughout? Ben, what do you think? Top tier talent as starters who do not get hurt. But yeah. it just depends because if you have top tier talent and they're not getting hurt, you are dominating. If you have depth and your depth is just depth, a bunch of RB2s, a bunch of wide receiver yeah. twos, then it's not going to win you any league. So non-answer, which sucks, but yeah, you're going to need to get lucky more than anything this year. I think this is going to be the most luck-driven fantasy season we've ever had, at least in my fantasy era. Yeah, I would say um, a few things that you can do to kind of lean into what we've seen so far. I know we always talk about handcuffs as like, you want Tony Pollard if you're the Ezekiel Elliott manager. I think in this type of scenario, you probably want Tony Pollard if you don't have Ezekiel Elliott more because it's all about having as many guys as possible who yeah. can start every week and but, who can hit. But like, I don't know if I, I, I don't know. I had this discussion. It's so weird how it's like every person I know who's more analytics driven, mm-hmm. it, it says what you just said. And then I think the more, I don't know, old school fantasy football people like myself, uh, I you like play scared Adam. No, I just like handcuffing my running back instead of someone else's running back because two things. One, uh, when it comes to roster spots, it's harder when, especially when you get to the bye weeks, it's harder to keep the guy that you're handcuffing that you don't even have the starter. Like it's harder to keep Tony Pollard if you don't have Zeke. Um, in my I opinion, just, I, and, well, I, and then and then, then I'm just saying, I am so mad at myself in the flex league that I'm in for not having Mike Davis when I had Christian McCaffrey. And I lost Christian McCaffrey. I needed Mike Davis a hell of a lot, a hell of a lot more than the manager that didn't lose Christian McCaffrey. So when the bids came out, I put a really I put like a forty five dollar bid on him, and I lost like a fifty dollar bid or something. But I just know from experience, I needed that backup running back much more than the the non McCaffrey owner did or manager did. I think it comes it comes down to upside. There is more upside in having someone else's handcuffed because when that guy gets hurt when, when if you don't have a Zeke, if you have Ezekiel Elliott and you have uh Tony Pollard your upside is you replaced Ezekiel Elliott with hopefully 80% of him whereas if you've got Tony Pollard and I someone else has his Elliott, I understand the math here. that I, person's team I, has I get a it. huge hole and now your team is so much better yeah. that's that's the logic I, I get it uh it's <laughs> I, I understand I understand the theory I just I find it funny that uh, well, Ben, where do you, where do you, you're maybe like in between the analytics community and the old school. Yeah, right? I would say before I was introduced to the analytics community, I was all team Adam here, but I'm team Chris at this point because all right, good I luck, hold, good luck holding on to those players. Good luck holding on to those players. You're just sitting there praying for injuries. You're going to drop but, that guy. I get you're going to drop dropped, that guy. But I've dropped my own handcuffs too, yeah. like in leagues that I have McCaffrey. I've dropped Mike Davis before, even though I have McCaffrey, because, hey, McCaffrey isn't getting hurt. He's not getting hurt. I need a spot. I'm going to drop the guy regardless, unfortunately. That's the tough thing, is that, like, when we're talking about, like, how does the strategy affect this season, you know, with all the injuries that we're seeing, it's really, like, it depends if you're the guy who has a bunch of injuries. You know, like, there's not really, there, there was no reason to think Christian McCaffrey was more likely to get hurt than Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, it just, it was just bad luck. And, um, 
you know, I think like the fact that nobody really drafted Mike Davis, I think that's probably reflective of a blind spot that the fantasy community has, where is Christian McCaffrey has never gotten hurt. And so we are just like, well, he's not a risk. And it's like, well, he's a running back. But he's it's, a risk. it's not we just that, to- though. It's I don't think people thought Mike Davis would be good. And lo and behold, he has eight catches two weeks in a row. Yeah. So there's always that. You don't even know how these backups are going to be. I think you right. can feel pretty confident that Tony Pollard would be a must-start guy, honestly, if, if I feel that way anyway, yeah. if Zeke got hurt. Um, all, right, all right, let's go to our second one. Sean McDermott, what's up, Sean? Says, hey, what, Sean. what have we learned about certain split backfields after three weeks? He cites the Cleveland backfield, the Chargers, and the Bucks, et cetera. What have we learned after three weeks? A lot, a little, and nothing for Cleveland Chargers and Bucks. <laughs> I think we I have mean, learned a lot about the Bucks. Oh yeah, we we learned that it sucks. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> that Bruce Arians wasn't lying for once. So I think if you could turn, if you could try to trade, like going back to this question and the previous question, um, anybody who's in a split backfield, you should look to trade for someone who isn't in a split backfield, and that's hard to do. You obviously have to throw something in with it, but. I don't know. Try to take advantage of that. Like maybe Devin Singletary because like he's just not going to score a lot of touchdowns. Um, you can turn maybe like, could you turn him into Kenyon Drake? If you add something, I, I'm actually a little hesitant on Kenyon Drake, so I don't want to keep going there. Well, but don't be I, hesitant it, because he's going to go off this week, but after this week, eh. I hope the, so. The, just see the tough thing there though, is in a season with a lot of injuries, a guy who's in a backfield split, can suddenly very much not be in a backfield split all of a sudden. Like, I think we're probably going to see with David Montgomery, where Cordell Patterson will have a role. But I think David Montgomery is going to be really good moving forward. Uh, I don't think he's going to be that good, though. Like, he's going to be an RB2. You Like, would you take, let's say you had James Robinson and David Montgomery. Hmm? Would you trade them for Aaron Jones? Both of them? Yes. I would. They're both RB2s. Yeah, Probably. I would too. I, I would too. That's kind of goes back to the first question of having depth or having like elite talent. Yeah. So you would do that, Chris? Yeah. I mean, if because those like you probably drafted Montgomery as your RB3 and maybe someone got hurt and now is your RB2, but Robinson's actually your RB2. So if you're in that situation where all of a sudden you can add Aaron Jones to a group that already has a really good running back, then yeah, I would do that because you're probably only starting two running backs most weeks anyway. All right, this is Drew PR. Should we be trading for A.J. Brown or staying away? If you can trade a bench player for A.J. Brown, I'm all about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, Corey Davis has been okay, but he's, I don't think he's really a threat to A.J. Brown. Uh, The Titans have actually, it's been a ton of deep stuff for Ryan Tannehill. They're, They're really relying very little on the short game, and so that's going to benefit AJ Brown when he comes back and assuming he can get back to something like full speed relatively soon. I think he'll be, you know, that number two wide receiver that we were hoping for from Doss. Are any Eagles players not named miles Sanders, a startable fantasy player moving forward? Yes. Yeah, I think Zach Ertz is a must start. Oh, yep. jinx. hundred percent. Yep. I mean, Zach Ertz, He's got seven to 10 targets in every game. Dallas Goddard's out. Don't know about Deshaun Jackson. So we're going to definitely start Ertz. We're going to definitely start Miles Sanders. The question is, are you going to have any faith in Alshon Jeffrey? Let's say he plays in week four. Would you have faith in starting Alshon Jeffrey? No. 
I think you're hoping for a four for 51 game. And you score a touchdown. It's great. He kind of is the Dallas Goddard until Dallas Goddard comes back. So, yeah, it's a pretty low upside flex play. I think he can be a high upside play eventually. Like Elshon Jeffrey, you know, even in the Eagles offense has been a very good fantasy player in the past. But you need to see it first before I think you even start him, given the nature of the injury. Yeah, as far as Wentz goes, or just the offense in general, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and Baltimore are their next three opponents. That's not probably not going to be easy, although maybe they can test the San Francisco defense in ways that the Giants can't. Um, and then after that, though, check out week seven through 12. Giants, Dallas, by Giants, Cleveland, Seattle. There appear to be four, maybe five great matchups for the passing game there. Um, you know, you, it's three weeks from now, so you don't have to do anything about it now, but just keep it in mind. How many quarterbacks have actually looked worse than Carson Wentz this season? Like it, that's not about, it's not necessarily about him, but it could be. No, he's, but he's playing horribly right now. He needs to play a lot better. No, I get Yeah, I get No, no, I just saying. mean for the, yeah. there could be more production there. Yeah. For yeah. Ertz, if Goddard's back at that point. Yeah, know, he they, just. They've got a soft spot. On the he looks, but you are looking at wide receiver core of a lot of guys. You know, Alshon, maybe Rager's back. Maybe Deshaun's back. Yeah. Maybe Greg Ward has stepped up. So I wouldn't pick up Alshon necessarily right now because of it. But if you have an empty spot, yeah, I'm taking him over a random guy who is just like a low-end RB. I would take him over like Andy Isabella. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would you take him over Justin Jefferson? No, and I made no. a Justin Jefferson is the top waiver wire target for me. I made a big mistake yesterday, and I need to correct it. I'm actually meant to correct it at the top of the show, so I made another mistake. I had the Vikings Titans game, and I copied and pasted the Titans schedule onto Justin Jefferson's schedule. Oh, and the no. Titans' next two games are Pittsburgh and Buffalo. Jefferson's next two games are Houston and Seattle, and then Atlanta. So Houston actually hasn't been that bad against wide receivers. Seattle and Atlanta certainly have. But Jefferson's schedule was much more favorable than I thought it was, and I am sorry about that. That was a stupid mistake I made. Um, and, they just uh, got to throw the ball more. There's like Kirk Cousins has 71 pass attempts, and they've given up their 78 pass attempts. They're 0 and 3, and they've given up 101 points. If you've given up more points than you have pass attempts, you're doing something incredibly. Uh, there's a reason for it though. It's because they had the ball for 19 minutes yeah. each of the first two games. So. Um, I don't know about yesterday, though. Why did he only throw 27 passes there? That's because before the game, Gary Kubiak said we need to run the ball more. They almost won. Give him that. And they did run the ball really well. Yeah. And like he wasn't I don't think he was as bad as like I saw a headline like Cousins collapses. And one of the interceptions was like Adam Thielen fell down, had the ball popped up and into the defender's uh, hands. So, you know, like he's he's a relatively efficient quarterback who takes a decent amount of deep shots in the play action game. I think yeah. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen can both, it can be a Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen situation. If they start throwing the ball 34 times a game, which wouldn't even really be that much. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, he needs to catch more balls is Dalvin cook. He has five catches, I think, yeah. or eight catches maybe in three games. All right. Final question in our five big topics comes from Philly special. Who would you take? Number one overall, if fantasy football started today. Ezekiel Elliott. Alvin Kamara. Okay. I, I thought, I knew Chris was going to say Alvin Kamara. Uh, I, it's between those two. I go, think go ahead, guys. Michael Thomas was for sure out for another four or five weeks. 
it's Kamara. Because I think Kamara's usage in the passing game is bound to go down compared to the last two weeks. And sure. I think Elliott will continue to be used in the past game. And I mean, 58 carries already through three weeks is just typical Ezekiel Elliott. So I think nothing has changed for my outlook for either of these guys for the season. They've both kind of shown what I'm expected, but Kamara has done better because of no Michael Thomas, but Michael Thomas is coming back. Yeah. But Elliott has really benefited from some circumstances that I don't think are really going to continue. Like they've, They've attempted, let's see, 145 pass attempts this season. That would be presumably something close to a record. Well, hey, now, then then maybe you should take Russell Wilson over Dak Prescott because yeah, earlier... That would be 773 pass attempts. All right, but earlier, you were, using that, earlier playing... you, used, you were using that to your advantage earlier, Chris. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's also like... It, it's going to come down, but he's still going to throw the ball a lot more than Russell Wilson. But, you know, the Cowboys do run the fastest offense in the NFL. They are just like sprinting to the line to get more plays off, which makes sense when you've got an offense with as many options as they do that you want to get as many opportunities as you can. But Ezekiel Elliott's on pace for you know, 125 targets or something like that. Even in 2018, when he was a really good uh pass catcher he wasn't close to okay that, but so. alvin Kamara is on pace for 166 targets or something like that yeah i mean he's not going to get there but uh like 130 is a realistic outcome for alvin Kamara. i think i don't yeah, think the carries targets. are not going to be anywhere near zeke right but targets are more valuable you know like that and that's the thing but well, who's going to score more touchdowns because Kamara. Kamara has been a touchdown machine other than last year, but Zeke's yeah. getting one-yard touchdown runs. Kamara's getting 50-yard touchdown catches. Once, What's more sustainable here? It is close. Uh, I, I think I'd take Kamara in PPR, and I'd take Zeke in non or, or half. But yeah. I do think it's close, Chris, and you need, to, you need to apologize to everyone for saying it wasn't close. That's what I think. I, I don't... In PPR especially, I don't think it's close. I think, uh, I think Alvin Kamara is... I mean, one, I just think he's a better player uh, than Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know if that's like a hot so, take. So does Chris Collinsworth, because Collinsworth said he's the best running back in football. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, and he was outrageously efficient before his injury last season. That was basically, there was like a, a marker that you can draw in his career between Alvin Kamara, fantasy god, and mere mortal. And now he's healthy. There's no guarantee he will continue Zeke's, to healthy, Zeke's a fantasy but... god every year. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's nah, fair. That, look, um, it's fine. I, I do think Alvin Kamara is going to get more usage them. than he usually does. Who's the third pick? Uh, I go. I only think I'm going to go Dalvin Cook there. I'll go Cook. Yeah. Aaron Jones would be up there. Boy, the shines off Josh Jacobs a little bit, huh? Let's see what Clyde Edwards Dealer does tonight. Hmm. Things are interesting. People change their minds so much. I mean, so much. Like, I don't think Josh Jacobs has a run of longer than 14 yards, but I, I don't know what he did yesterday in terms of that. But that, yeah, that's been look, weird. It might be like Christian McCaffrey might be the number one pick. You know, like rest of season, he's not, but I'm not necessarily worried at all that Christian McCaffrey is going to come back and not be Christian McCaffrey. You know, maybe it takes him a couple weeks to get going like it did Saquon Barkley, but, you know, I haven't seen anything from any of these people to suggest that they have more upside than Christian McCaffrey does. So if we're talking about like a 2021 view, 
And Christian McCaffrey still. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely. All right. We're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football Today. Come back, give you some stats. Hopefully read some emails. Um, Snap counts and Mike Evans' weird stat. ADOT. ADOT is officially in the mainstream, ladies and gentlemen. It made Sunday Night Football. There you go. We will uh, be right back. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on Fantasy Football today to take a look at some statistics that you may not have seen. The New York Jets are the only team that have not run a play while leading this year. (laughs) Yeah, this is Adam Gase's last game. They're bad. That's it. Broncos on Thursday, new coach on Friday. Uh, Tyler Higby. So who had this? This was a Ben stat? This is a Ben stat. All right, Ben, go for it. Tyler Higby snaps, uh, snaps and routes. Played 71% of the snaps this week, ran routes on 40% of those snaps. He also ran routes on 40% of his snaps in week two. He's just going to be an up and down tight end. He's still startable. He's still probably a must start, but he's not a top five tight end. Yeah, I think he's back in that touchdown dependent tight end group. I think he's uh, he has 10 targets through three games. He had 10 targets through three games last season. Uh, you know, he was averaging like 9.5 during that five game run at the end of the season when he really broke out. So Tyler Higby kind of looks like he's just back to being Tyler Higby. Miles Gaskin had three carries inside the five. So maybe it's just like Jordan Howard's only coming in at the one. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. like when there's a, when there's a stoppage of play, I, it's the kind of situation where I would imagine when they're rolling and they want to, you know, play hurry up or when they want to get to the line quickly, uh, th- there's no reason to take Miles Gaskin out, especially since he's looked so good. Uh, ben, Mike Evans, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. Third player ever to do this. Awesome. No fantasy impact. Just wanted to include it. <laughs> well, there's definitely some. Where's like, the, yeah, he, where's the yards, man? He, uh, when we were talking about the ad- addition of Tom Brady and the effect it could have on the Buccaneers offense and how it could go wrong for Mike Evans specifically, uh, it was... Well, Brady doesn't love throwing downfield at this point in his career, so maybe Mike Evans doesn't get as many targets, and maybe the targets that he does get are not as valuable because Brady won't be taking those downfield shots. He'll be looking for them in in the shallower depths. And so far, 
Mike Evans average depth of target is down to 8.6 yards. It was 14.8 over the previous three seasons. And his target share from last season was 23.8%. It's down to 17%. So I'm not saying you should panic. Mike Evans was great in week two. What was missing in week two though? Chris Godwin. That's right. But he also might be missing moving forward. But I am saying that this is what we thought it would look like if Mike Evans was going to be a bust. Mike Evans, well, this is pretty bad. Mike Evans in two games that he has played with Chris Godwin, he has scored three touchdowns in those two games, but he has four yards. (laughs) He had two yards in week one and two yards in week two. That's incredible. Wow. All right, more stats for you. Um, Calvin Ridley, Chris kind of broke it down. Calvin Ridley had, well, he had 249 air yards, which was way more than DK Metcalf, who was number two. And a lot of yards and a lot of stats kind of left off the left on the field, just missing barely Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan. So a lot to be encouraged there. Um, what did you see with DJ Moore and his ADOT? It's, it's real. like Robbie Anderson is now DJ Moore and DJ Moore is Curtis Samuel and Curtis Samuel is... I don't know, kind of Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he's, he's the, Mike the Davis, and Mike them. Davis is Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, the way they're <laughs> using it, them is is really interesting. Robbie Anderson actually has a, a relatively low average depth of target, which is weird given that we've always viewed him as a deep threat. And DJ Moore's average depth of target is 13.5 yards. It was 11.5 last year. Anderson's is 8.5. Uh, DJ Moore, there was a couple of you know actual legitimate deep targets yesterday, but you know, Teddy Bridgewater has mostly played how we expected him to. A lot of throws within the fir- the within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I think it's the highest rate in football. Not a lot of deep targets. And so that's why you're seeing Robbie Anderson play better than DJ Moore. And it's going to be, I don't know, I'm a little worried about DJ Moore. I was all in. I was, I was as bought in as anyone on DJ Moore. And now the fact that, you know, him and, and Robbie Anderson's roles are so different than we thought. It's a little concerning, but if DJ Moore does start hitting on a few more of those uh, longer shots, you know, it could be each target is more valuable than the ones he got last year. It's pretty interesting. He's also faced the Bucks and the Chargers in his last two games, yeah. and those are tough matchups for, for wide receivers, and he came through great against the Bucks. You shouldn't have been surprised that Moore and Anderson... I, I shouldn't say that because I did tell everybody to start DJ Moore, but it's not a huge surprise that they struggled because the Chargers uh, are great against uh, wide receivers. I gave that stat. It's been two years. Two years since two wide receivers in the same game had either 10 non-PPR or 14 PPR fantasy points against the Chargers. There's one exception to that. It was a playoff game where the Patriots barely, barely qualified. Philip Dorsett had like exactly those thresholds. But it's a tough matchup. And he gets Arizona in week two. Uh, or in week four, and so far they've been pretty good against wide receivers, but I'm not sure I buy that because Galladay scored, McLaurin had a huge game. So I think DJ Moore, you know, could could have a good game in week week four. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, give me one more stat that you want to talk about, Chris. One more stat that I want to talk about. Okay, here's an interesting one. Uh, Austin Eckler, who had a what looked like a very Austin Eckler-esque game yesterday. Um, his average depth of target is one point negative 1.63 yards. His average target has been behind the line of scrimmage. Last season, it was 1.49. That's not, you know, that's not huge, but he was seventh, I believe, among running backs in air yards last season. He did get downfield throws, and that hasn't really been there so far this season. And, you know, the fact that Herbert is throwing him the ball more 
is a very good sign. And I hope Herbert continues to start for the Chargers because he's better for their fantasy options than Tyrod Taylor will be. But I think Austin Eckler, you know, a big part of the appeal for him was the just outrageous efficiency. And that may not be there to the same extent, which means the ceiling may not be as high for him as uh, it was last year. All right, let's rapid fire through these. Ready? Jimmy Graham is second in the NFL in red zone targets and leads the NFL in targets inside the 10-yard line. That was a big thing in training camp. They talked about it a ton, how Jimmy Graham gave them a... Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, actually, both of them were drawing rave reviews in camp for their work near the goal line specifically. So may may remain a thing moving forward. Okay, he's rostered in 13% of leagues, and he had seven targets, then one target, then nine targets in three games. Yeah. Uh, how about pressures allowed? Uh, you look at offensive linemen and the pressures they have allowed Houston and Cincinnati have two offensive linemen in the top 10 in pressures allowed. It's not a major shock, uh, for Cincinnati because one, we know they have a bad line, but two, they're throwing the ball so much. Yeah. The giants have three offensive linemen in the top 15 in pressures allowed. So, uh, those are some lines that are struggling right now. Aaron Donald leads the NFL with 20 pressures. Pittsburgh has four players in the top 10. Four players, I think top 10. Four players with 14 or more pressures. It's not top 10, it's like top 12. That's insane. Watt, Tuit, Dupree, and Hayward. And the Eagles have three players with 10 or more pressures. So, you know, the Eagles, I feel like the Eagles' defense has actually been pretty solid this year. Not a great matchup. Been in a lot of bad situations. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, how about this, Carson Ben? Wentz has, what, six turnovers? <laughs> Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown played the same amount of snaps, Ben. What do you think? Yeah, Daryl Henderson is going to be the lead running back, but they trust Malcolm Brown a lot more, and he's not going away, and he's going to get a lot of inside the five touches. So hold your horses on Daryl Henderson being you know, a high-end RB2 at this point. Still startable, though. J.D. McKissick outsnapped Antonio Gibson. They both had three catches. I just want to point out that the fumble for Gibson was such bad luck. It was just like a short... Uh, target that he took for like 12 yards and fumbled as the it was as the clock ran out at the end of the first half and he fumbled like as he was going out of bounds and it you know someone jumped on it it wasn't like an actual it wasn't really like a harmful fumble it probably shouldn't have been a play that happened okay that's nice of you to say but Gibson and he's Mc- looked good Mc- yeah I don't know why they're not throwing him the ball he was a wide receiver I don't know if the Washington football team realizes this because they have McKissick who's also a great pass catcher and they really like McKissick so I'm scared to keep starting Gibson that that, the weirdest thing is they're not really using them either of them in the passing game well I don't know maybe it's their quarterback he's really has been bad yeah he's been yeah Mm. I I might like to see Alex Smith in there eventually Dwayne Dwayne Haskins has not (laughs) I don't I wouldn't say he's regressed he has not taken the step forward that I hoped for Kenny asks, who is the second best quarterback in the NFC East in real life? And are we sure it's not Andy Dalton? (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I'll say it's Carson Wentz, but could be Andy Dalton, I guess. It's Dalton is very close. (laughs) I mean, Wentz is the second lowest graded quarterback by PFF this year. And I think he might be the lowest if you took out his really, really high run grade. So who's the Uh, lowest? Dalton would be the lowest. Haskins? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, How is Daniel Jones rated higher than Carson Wentz? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all three of them have been just absolute disasters. Carson Wentz, it just... 
he looks terrified. Like the, the protection hasn't been as bad as he seems to think it has been. It's been really weird. Yeah. Uh, but Jason Peters has been, according to that pressured stat, has been yeah. horrible at left tackle. All right, we got to go, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. For Ben and Chris, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you on Fantasy Football Today in five. Uh, make sure you're subscribing to that and Fantasy Football Today tomorrow at uh, what time? About 10 o'clock Eastern. We'll get that show out, the waiver wire episode for you. And we'll recap hopefully what will be a terrific game tonight, Monday Night Football. All right, see you later. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.